Hello, I'm Llewellyn King, the host of White House Chronicle. Thank you for coming along. This program holds, and has held for quite a long time now, that our lives are changed, of course, primarily by political events, but also by technology. And the technology comes at us all the time in all sorts of ways. We know about cell phones, we know about computers, and now I would like to tell you about drones, because drones are coming into your life. They've already revolutionized the battlefield, but we're not talking about military drones. We're not talking about weapons of uh, assault here today. We're talking about drones and how drones will deliver things to you. And to help us do that, we have this wonderful guest, Jeremiah Karpowitz, who is an expert on drones. So, Jeremiah, welcome to the broadcast and tell us how you got into drones. Uh, Llewellyn, thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be here. Our, our entire team has been admirers of your program for a long time, so it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. You know, my background with drones really goes back to the media and entertainment space. I was a kind of reporter, content creator for a, for a website that covered film and TV uh, tools, so things like cameras, things like editing systems, and around 2012, 2013, there was a lot of talk about this, about being able to use drones to capture certain shots and to get angles that previously, I mean, you could really only use a, a helicopter before uh, before that. And obviously, if you're using a drone rather than the helicopter, it's, it's that much cheaper. So from there, it kind of transitioned into more work with, with Diversified Communications, which launched the Commercial UAV Expo in 2015. And the the amount of of different things and applications that drones can do, even since then, has just increased in exponential ways. Now, when we talk about drones, we're thinking of drones from the little things you can buy in the toy store all the way uh, up to things that can do big deliveries, goods deliveries. And these are all uh, so-called quadrocopters, right? They have four uh, rotors which we see everywhere, and sometimes more rotors, but primarily four. When did that start? When did we start developing four rotor drones? How did that come about? Well, yeah, I mean, you do have quadcopters, which have those four rotors, but then you also have fixed wing drones, which can can fly that much that much further than the, the quadcopters. With the quadcopters, you have more maneuverability, but with the fixed wing, it can cover that much more space. And even, you know, it's interesting to hear you you mentioned kind of what, what comes to your head when you hear the word drone, because even even five years ago, there was there was a big push to get everybody to kind of stop using that word because it had so much connection with the, the military applications of the technology, which goes Goes back to the 1970s, and as you can imagine, is is even that much that much more developed and and different these days. Um, but you know, and, and and I mean, that's that's really the I don't want to say the origin of the technology because you could go back to to balloons in the 19th century if you wanted to go all the way back. But in terms of in terms of being able to use the the military applications, go back to the 70s. But the, I mean, the early, the early uh, 2000s. That's that's when hobbyists kind of kind of came on. And originally, it was much more of a of a DIY 
community element that that got the technology <laughs> pardon the pun off the ground but you know a lot of these different people kind of coming together and figuring out what what can they do what were they did they want to do to um, I mean a lot of it was was kind of photo and, and picture based but you know there there's the origins of of the commercial applications of the technology even then now I have visions crazy visions of a pizza coming to my house on one drone, uh, interrupting the laundry coming on another. And how do these interface and where are they going to put down? How am I going to get my laundry and my pizza? You are asking the million dollar, hundred million dollar, billion dollar question. Well, uh, I'm that... sure you're going to answer it. <laughs> as best I can. I mean that you know that very question is what's is what's happening is what's being discussed in multiple levels uh, across the the drone space right now. But what's what's driving that is the is the economic reality of you getting that pizza delivered to your house. Is that something that you're gonna be willing to pay for in a way that's that much more expensive if it came by a delivery van or if it's something you went out to get to yourself? Like that's that's kind of what's driving so much of what's happening with the technology right now is what are people actually going to use and pay for? But then on the other hand of that, like there's regulatory limitations with how drones are able to interact in the in the space above your house, much less above the city. And to say there's there's layers and layers to sort through with both of those things is a is an understatement. Now this has been pioneered. I understand that a the pizza was delivered in New Zealand by drone. Why in New Zealand? I don't know. Do the sheep like pizza? Uh, uh, and then in Britain, in Europe, you have a license air cargo carrier for the so-called middle mile. Maybe you would explain the middle mile to us. Well, you know the that so the last mile is what I just mentioned in terms of this is that pizza is is at your house and the the costs and challenges with last mile delivery that is what so many companies are getting caught up in and I mean, there have been companies that have tried to sort that out and have it and haven't made it. There's been a a ton of shakeups and and shakeouts between the across the drone space for the last last several years and and even beyond that. Know that that middle mile is is kind of before it it hits that last mile, but in between the the point of origin, and that's why I think you've you've seen or possibly have seen some some ideas about kind of a, a drone hub, where a, a drone can come in and grab a grab that pizza or grab something else, and then it goes from there to your high house. So that kind of that kind of mid mile here's instead of having to go from that point of origin all the way to your house, if it's that that mid mile can make sense. Then I mean the the economics of it can completely change. What sort of weights are we looking at these drones carrying? What are the useful payloads on them? It it is all over the map. I mean, there's there's some that are as you can imagine. Amazon was very focused on on packages that could be very small to the point of delivering delivering medication or something very quick that you might have ordered on the site. But then right now there's been a even over the last few months have been a ton of investment and development with cargo drones. And these are drones that are carrying anywhere from 500 to almost a uh, thousand pounds or, or more or more. I, off the top of my head, I'm not, not sure what those numbers are, but it's, it's very large cargo. They're also in the large cargo department, uh, drones that will carry people right in some form of air taxi system. 
eventually someday like that's you know and that's that's what's happening right now in the drone space is these conversations like and if, if it's helpful to think about it's almost these three different levels or layers you've got the small drones that are performing an inspection on a construction site so that's there's there's regulations uh, that that deal with that type of operation but then kind of in the middle you have what we just talked about with the cargo drones but the regulations and limitations and technology are very different than the small drones and then over even further along is those sort of drone taxis being able to to pull up your phone and a, a taxi picking you up like and that's a whole different level and one of the things that we've been exposed to even over again over the past few months is how how quickly some of these things change is how those folks in the drone taxi world are almost want to be more and are more in the in the crude uh airspace crude uh vehicle space rather than small drones and you know for us it's about kind of figuring out where and how these pieces can connect in a way that makes sense for everybody because ultimately it's all the same airspace obviously there's different levels class a through g so it's not not everybody's operating in the same airspace but everybody has to to use that airspace in a way that makes sense for everybody and those are the conversations that that are being had right now well according to the faa the federal aviation administration as i recall from my piloting days uh it's a fair free for all up to twenty thousand feet and they get very, very fussy, and that's where uh, airliners uh, tend to make their cross-country journeys, 20,000 and all the way up to 40. Uh, drones, there would be very close to the ground and in very congested airspace. How are we going to separate them? Uh, how do we make that safe? How do we not create a danger to the flying public with uh, uh, their pizza coming in? That's another hundred million dollar question. Um, you know, but and NASA has done a lot to to answer that. Um, years ago, they they had had been one of the first organizations to really develop the concept of a of a of a UTM, which is UAS Traffic Management System. So this is is kind of a system that would understand where and how all these small drones are are operating. But being able to get drones that are created by different manufacturers that are being used for different purposes, all plugged into that system. And then that system being connected or at least making air traffic control aware of that system, like that's that's been the challenge and it's been it's been ongoing. When do you think we will see the first deliveries, you either by somebody like Amazon or one of the pizza companies, when is that likely to happen? Is that five years out, two years out, ten I years? Mean well, as you, as you mentioned, like the the testing for those in in New Zealand and and Australia, they're like those are already happening. But even here in the United States, I mean, Walmart was was making deliveries of if there's um, if you're in a certain distance with at a, for a certain number of of WalMarts, you can get something delivered by by drone. Um, it, the challenge with all of that is is how it works, or when is it going to work at scale? Because well, that's Jeremiah, what about piloting? Behind each drone, there must be a human being saying, go here, go there, stop now, descend, discharge, come home. Uh, in military, that is, um, that is a pilot and probably two assistants with a joystick, and we know what that looks like. But for civilian drones, we know what the little things that kids carry so they can uh, come buzz your window. Uh, but um, for deliveries, that will take a fairly sophisticated uh, traffic control system 
in Walmart or in Amazon or in Domino's? You know, the answer to that is on two levels because there's the technology piece of it and the regulatory piece of it. On the technology piece, you see companies like Skydio that are that are very much working to develop drones that are smarter, that can be autonomous, that could be able to do X amount of operations or deliveries autonomously so that that person wouldn't have to be involved, that that drone gets set up and it does however many tasks make sense for the given operation or company, et cetera. But the regulatory piece about it, like that's that's where the FAA is is really trying to get their arms around the safety case. Like I, one of the things that it's always come up when we look for feedback from the FAA or talk to them at conferences is that the FAA wants to get safety cases. They don't want to hear, they don't want business cases, but like how is that that autonomous operation, how can you, as the the person pioneering that, guarantee or not guarantee isn't the right word, but be able to to move forward with this in a way that is going to keep everyone safe in a way that the same level of expectation you have with safety of getting on a, a crude uh, airplane, and you know that's that's just been a challenge because this the technology is just it's a lot to get get your arms around much less how that integrates into a given system or setup or airspace often a new technology tends to have a mission other than one that seems obvious are there any new missions appearing missions that would not otherwise be contemplated by somebody just looking as a lay person at this what we've seen is that once somebody has the the technology in their hands, how they're able to to use it, they think of all different ways to use it that even the manufacturers might not have created. You know, I mentioned that you know how a drone can be used on a construction site. Originally, somebody might might uh, move forward with the adoption of that technology to capture pictures uh, every day at nine o'clock, so that the foreman and stakeholders could compare what sort of work is or isn't being done. But once once that technology is up and running, somebody on that site might say, you know what, here's here's another way we could use this to to help with a given survey application. Or then you could get into areas uh, with physical tasks where, hey, if somebody's up on the scaffold and needs a wrench, could the drone be able to to bring that up to them? Like those are just just kind of examples. But being able to like, we've just seen such a difference is that once people, once users get the technology in their hands, they're thinking, oh, how about we try this? Or is this something we can do? And it just opens up value in terms of doing a given task in a faster, cheaper, safer way. I was talking to an architect friend who told me they use drones, for example, in refurbishing an old building uh, where you want to look up under the eaves, where you want to get on top of a roof, but you don't want to climb up that because it may not be secure, besides which you want to do it more efficiently. And, and that's it. And like without without a drone, would they either just not do that or would somebody take four hours to get all the way up there? And like that can be the difference is that something is either able to get done in that much quicker of a time or that's a task that is able to be completed in a way it otherwise wouldn't. And because of that, his design can be that much more complete or better than it would otherwise. I understand that electric utilities with long lines that need surveillance have been a driving force in adopting and using drones uh, for surveillance of their lines. Uh, have they 
led to any innovations particularly suited to their line of work? Uh, you know, the innovations are really about instead of a, a team, a, a given team for an electric utility can inspect X amount of poles per day. Maybe that's four poles, maybe that's eight poles, whatever it is. I think it, it depends on the on the organization and specifically what they're doing. But if those teams get up and running using drones, now they can inspect 15 poles or 25 poles. So they're not only that much more efficient, but then once you're using the data that's that's captured via drone, you can go into areas like preventative maintenance. Like if if a team can only inspect X amount of poles in a given time period, then they're only going to be able to deal with with ones that are challenges or something that needs to be addressed right then and there. But if they're able to see that much more sooner, they can take care of an issue before it becomes a problem. So that can be a $2,000 fix that otherwise would have been a $20,000 problem. So it's not so much that they're they're doing anything all that different, but they're doing it in a quicker and more efficient way. Uh, the great dog race, the Iditarod, was about getting a, a, a medicine uh, over a very long distance in a frozen, uh, in a frozen environment. Uh, nowadays, you might use a drone for that. And I hear that in Africa, they've used drones to deliver medicine and blood. Do you yes. have the information on that, Jeremiah? Yes, yes. Uh, Zipline has done really incredible work with with their, the drone deliveries that have, as exactly as you said, have been, been able to deliver blood to locations that otherwise could be, I mean, an hours hours of time that need to, to be spent to either capture that, move that around. Um, so that, that's definitely happening all across. Um, uh, Zipline is doing that in a, in a big way there. And their the company's looking to take a lot of the lessons that they have learned to other countries. And, you know, it, it can be such small things. Like right now, I remember hearing an example about how a, a, a delivery from, I believe it was a sample, or it might have even been an organ, but for a hospital, it was in somewhere in the U.S., maybe North Carolina. But there was this this, this um, office that was, that was doing that up on the eighth floor, and they needed to send it over to the 12th floor in the other building. And that's something that would have taken 45 minutes to an hour for them to take that down the stairs all the way across up and where it needs to be but using a drone that was that was reduced to to 10 or 15 minutes so you know those kind of you know that might not sound like much but when you're talking about something that is literally life-saving i mean that can be the difference between life and death these multi uh rotor drones uh how are they powered what's the source of energy uh electricity so it's they have batteries they're battery powered yes uh, unlike uh, maybe military ones which have uh, more conventional military yeah some of the some of the larger ones are 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 gas powered and i mean right now there's a lot of a lot of investigation about different um energy sources anything from from hydrogen to i mean electric electric hybrids so there's there's a lot happening with with that but uh, yeah the smaller ones are definitely electric powered if the you're part. using these uh, multi rotor drones four six whatever you the configuration may be uh, and you're using them for domestic deliveries how dangerous are these blades wearing around you don't go running up to a helicopter because it'll chop your head off um, uh, are they encased in cages or are they how how is the public protected from this 
this whir whirling uh, 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 blade. Yeah, for the most, I mean, depending on the manufacturer, most of them will have cases around the actual rotor. So it's not something that you could run into. Like if somebody, if you, at that said, if you ran over to it and, and tried to put your finger in there, you probably, you probably could. Um, and I remember being at a, at a drone show where somebody did just lat that they got, uh, they got a, a decent cut on their finger, but it, it's not like they, they lost their finger or anything like that. Um, you know, and in terms of that kind of public feedback and reception, the thing we've heard more more so than anything else isn't about the the danger of the technology and in that physical level, but more about the the noise that that a drone is making and how that might not be something a given community wants to see. Um, and then feedback as well. I know I've seen a, a bunch of, of posts from, you know, some are you a utility company that might have just been inspecting uh, the train tracks for that area. And what their, you know, those stakeholders will then get feedback of, oh, what it, what are you guys doing with this? What, what are you, what's happening here? And I mean, really, are you spying on me? And I mean, the the reality of it is that there, you know, that drone is is being used for a very industrial purpose. But when companies or stakeholders don't get in front of that, like that's the kind of feedback they get because if you just see that drone in the air, like as a as a person in the community, you go, what what is that doing? And if you don't have an answer to that, it can lead to those kind of suppositions. You've mentioned Australia and New Zealand as places where there's been experimentation and deployment. Uh, is that because of large land areas or is that because of a particular technological bent or because they may have more applications there? Uh, it's mostly what you just mentioned in terms of them having the the space and in in cases as well the the regulatory leeway to to test things out in those in those types of areas and you know with Australia when you're talking about places that are that are very rural again being able to to deliver a package to some to a location that might be to a two hours away on a, on a drive, like if a drone can, can reduce or totally change the timetable about what it means to get that out there, like that, that creates real value. I know something about the development of uh, military drones in the U.S. and how that has evolved. And Israel played a key role. Mm. Israel was quite important. Is it also, has it also been an important country in the development of civilian there, there is a lot happening in Israel right now with with companies getting getting funding and creating this this technology for industrial purposes. We just saw Aerobotics was acquired by a, a company that is is big in the in the energy space. Um, so there's there's definitely a lot of investment uh, from Israel right now. And uh, where is the where is Drone Central? Where is the hub of creation of drones? Is it in the US? Is it in Israel? Is it in some country we have not mentioned? Gosh, that uh, you get a lot of different answers to that to that question, depending depending on who you're asking. Um, you know, there's a big concentration in the United States with, and a lot of it's out of San Francisco, but what's out of San Francisco in many cases is the, the funding for it is so that these companies can get up and running. I mean, that said, companies like, like Drone Deploy are based in San Francisco. 
uh, Skydio's out there. So if I if I had to pick one place in the U United States, that's that's where I'd put it. But I mean, there there are companies based in everywhere from Texas to New England to Florida. So that that's happening across the United States. Um, internationally, there's a number of of European countries that that have really, I mean, really developed uh, support for these kind of organizations that wanna wanna get up and running with the, the technology. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, I'd say, I mean, the UK, there's a lot happening there. So out of out of Europe, that that would be top of my list. And then, I mean, I would call out Israel as well. So you sort of, it follows the, the creative pattern, creative countries, countries with the tradition of creativity, plus technological expertise, plus money, and it all comes together. It it very much has. And, you know, we've we've seen a lot, we've seen a lot shake out though, because of how in quote, quote unquote, the early days of the, of the technology, there was a lot of excitement about what the technology is gonna mean at scale. And we can get around the, the bend of the curve. It goes, it goes all the way up. But what that, what that has, has looked like, it just, it just hasn't, hasn't happened as fast as a lot of those companies said it would or, or claimed it would. And that's, that's led to those, those mergers and acquisitions I, I mentioned, but, you know, it is really exciting to see those creative people talk about, you know, what's possible with this technology and be able to, to work with end users to kind of figure out what makes sense for them. Cause that's, that's also a divide I've seen happen where on the, on the technology side, you can fall in love with just the possibilities, but the reality of it has to be considered at all times because those are the people that are actually going to be using it. The technology folks make it and they're, I don't want to say they're done, but their, their piece of it is done. It's about where and how it can make sense in the real world. Jeremiah, what is your, uh, involvement how come that you know so much about drones what is your your operation where do you fit into this firmament yeah so i i work for a company diversified communications that that runs the commercial uav expo which we launched in 2015 and it was it was just such a successful launch that we also launched a publication commercial uav news to to support and really because I mean, commercial UAV is one one time a year. It's obviously great to get everybody together to have these conversations. But being able to stay connected and to keep these conversations going was something that that we wanted to enable with creation of commercial UAV news. And so that's how I've been able to stay as connected as I have been is to just kind of keep these conversations going with with the people that are that are doing it and talk about their challenges, talk about their successes, talk about the news, talk about what what things are making sense or aren't aren't making sense. And all of that makes for relevant content throughout the year. And then the idea is that the, the kind of takeaways or big picture items with, with those pieces come together at the event itself. It seems to me, Jeremiah, that we have a, a use that is already in place. That is the industrial uses. Uh, we've touched on some of them, architecture, utilities. Uh, would you like to throw in some others? Uh, there's a big public safety uh, use case that uh, where teams can use those for anywhere from accident scene reconstruction to search and rescue efforts. Um, I mean, the, and when you talk about inspections, like those inspections can just take place across various industries, whether that's energy, whether that's oil and gas, uh, construction, I mean, road, uh, road assessments. 
Um, you know, one of our one of our kind of slogans was that anything that's that's currently dull, dirty, or dangerous, there's a, there's a potential drone application to make that less dull, dirty, and or dangerous. Thank you, Jeremiah. That's our show for today. And uh, do watch spinning propellers. This tie spins around sometimes. Maybe I can turn it into a drone and it call. We'll see you next week. Cheers. White House Chronicle is available as a podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. We are there.